Celebrate Sounds is brought to you by Local Build Co. and Henry Gale Tiling. Local Build Co. are based in Bellingen, operating between Coffs Harbour and Nambucca, and they pride themselves on their high standard of work and their dedication to achieving goals for their customers. All inquiries, hit up Geordie on 0431 430 822. Henry Gale Tiling operates from Bellingen and specialise in all renovation and building projects. They provide a dedicated service to their clients from start to finish. Servicing the Bellingen Shire and surrounds, you can expect hands-on service from a highly experienced tiling team. Have a tiling job? Call Henry on 0401 287 778. Hey, you are listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the north coast of New South Wales. Today's episode features Mr. Scott Collins of the Mid-North and High Lonesome, who's just recently finished recording an album with a new act called Parlour State. We had an awesome chat. Hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the north coast of New South Wales. One such creative uh, who's in the studio with me today, Mr. Scott Collins. You might know him from the Mid-North or other uh, acts, High Lonesome among them. Actually, I'm sure they're just the – are they the two? The main Uh two? They're the main two, and then there's a new one called Parlour State. Oh, yes, of course. Well, we haven't really – you know – pre-talked about that because there's some exciting news and we won't get right into that but Parlour State is your new act have you got a band in mind? No Uh, I ended up enlisting heaps of my friends to record on it Yeah, yeah. so I can get a band together but to be honest, in these COVID times, I no, probably won't. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, fair enough. Well, look, uh, let's let's get right into it. Um, Scott, you've got Parlour State, um, a new act, a new album, and hence the reason you're in here, kind of mm-hmm. spruiking it, which you got to do in the music industry of when course. you're an independent. Um, yeah. We've had you on the, the show before, so I don't know if we need to recap all the things about you being in music, but just sure. tell us what you've been up to, how you've been, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been, well, there's heaps in that answer, but as a husband and a parent and working and studying, um, recording an album and trying to be social, it's um, it's busy, but yeah. kind of good busy. Like, you know, where we live, there's mayhem going on, but we're getting less of the mayhem. So yeah, it always feels true. good. I remember someone saying once... <clears throat> Um, if you want to feel richer, move to a poorer sub- sub- suburb, right? So I kind of feel like we're in a better place. Yeah. And then, like, you know, COVID is hitting everyone, but it's hitting us less. Totally. So I feel richer. Yeah. <laughs> just by where we live. Do you have family, like, in Sydney or Melbourne or friends that you've, you've known that are either currently going through or have been through those lockdown situations? Yeah, yeah. We've, um, Jay and I, uh, my wife and I, we've both got family, um, Sydney, Central Coast. Yep. And yeah, they're in lockdown and yeah, it's, it, it's affecting them in that they just can't go and do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no one's gotten sick. Everyone's following, well, they're following the rules yeah. and, and they are staying home and, and doing that. So yeah, it works. I think what happens is we end up talking more on the phone, um, you know, more WhatsApp, just more contact actually. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bit like, there's certainly like a silver lining and, and I saw that all through last year, like- there are benefits from having to slow down. Yeah, um, it, it's tricky, and and you know I don't need to diminish it for anyone because you know I'm I'm a struggling musician businessman at the moment. Um, but you are right; like 
there is something about you can create deeper connections and and all that with your family. Um, is that something that you've sort of done in the last 12 years? Uh, 12 years, 12 months. I'm sure you have in the last 12 years. Um, it's been, oh, I've got to say, it's been interesting in the last while because I've been studying and I've been so busy mm. um, and doing this album that I'm kind of more hermiting, to yeah. be honest. Like I'm, I'm reading or doing assignments or... You know, I'm in the forest with my kids riding bikes. That's right. Um, yes. Any any new injuries? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> ten, 10 weeks ago, I <laughs> broke my hand. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was racing and I, I came fourth. But wow. I know. Congrats. But, um, <laughs> I did Came at a cost. And yeah, I, I broke um, my finger. Because so, last oh time, I think, um, which was probably only around three months ago we had you in, I, I think it was last time, you were telling me about some of the stacks and some of the injuries. I think you had your collarbone. Or yeah, your collarbone the last out. one was in, we went to New Zealand, Queenstown, yep. riding um, downhill and yeah, <laughs> I broke my collarbone. So, you know, as an older man, um, I'm breaking a yeah. lot. But that's I feel whatever. that. Mm. I, I play soccer <clears throat> and like every time I go out to play now and I love it. But every time I just feel something in my body that just is kind of mocking me going, you're old, mate. Yeah. You're old. Yeah. We're less flexible. Our bones are just more fragile. You know, I'm heavier than I was 10 years ago, you know, so I think I'm 86 kilos. The emotional weight of things. kind of sat at 76. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? My kids are like 46 kilos. Yeah. they tend to bounce and their bones bend a bit. Yeah. So um, there's definitely a resilience. Yeah. The younger that you are, that you can bounce back. You can have stacks. I remember picking up the skateboard. Um, me and a few mates, whom whom you you know, um, I think, Joe Wadick and Harry Gale. Yep. And um, we all turned thirty around the same time, and we're all like, you know, let's let's get at skateboards again. Yeah. And we got skateboards, and we and then we bought a half pipe together. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> My hip, like, just felt like it was bruised for about six months. Yeah. Because every time I'd fall, I just happened to fall on the same part of my hip and massive bruises. And, you know, you're trying to, trying to stay young, but you've got to try and stay young in safe ways sometimes. I, we ended up selling the, the half pipe and I no longer skate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to skate when my kids took it up. Um, must have been like eight years ago. And, and I used to skate, but not not freestyle skating. Mine was like... From point A to point B, yeah. but I skated for like maybe six years of my life. I had a you know an old Aussie street yeah. cruiser and just took it everywhere. And I wore out two sets of wheels. Like I was using it, I don't know, hundred k a week. You know, what I mean, Whoa. everywhere, wow. everywhere to school, back to you know from school, like, to the bus stop on the bus, <laughs> get off the bus, you know, skateboard to the shops. I don't know, you know, carry it around, skateboard home, whatever. Um, anyway, so I thought, oh yeah, I got this, and I. <laughs> And my brother was a pro skater at 16, wow. right? So anyway, I thought, yeah, I've got this. It'll be cool. You know, it'll all come back to me. And then I just hit the concrete at Bellingen and, man, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. that hurts so much. Yeah. Like I didn't even break anything. It was just – Oh, there's not a lot of forgiveness in uh, that there concrete. There is no bounce. Yeah. Like, and I was I was a bit like, oh, wow. <laughs> but you remember when you're young and you, you – like you were saying before, you kind of – you have the biggest stack and you, you you know you cut your lip or your nose or graze all of your legs apart and you kind of get up and you're like, I'm all right, I'm okay. Totally. Whereas an adult, it's like, why why am I doing this? What, what's Man, happening? you have stacks oh, all man. the time. Like yeah. it'd be a stick across the path or, you yes. know, like a car would just come, whatever, you know, you just 
Smash yourself. And you've decided to take up uh, downhill mountain biking, yeah. of all things. Obviously, yeah. kids Kids are into way it. into yeah. it, yeah. Um, and it's, it's good. I think what I've worked out now is that downhill is too hard for me. Like, it's, I, it's just too much. It's all, so, all like braking and manoeuvring, right? Real, you know. Well. I can imagine quite taxing. Yeah. You know, and I'm only going because I know you, you guys would go on tracks that are similar to, like, what you do in the snow. Yeah. And- and the whole idea of like when you're going down on a snowboard for me, which is what I do a lot of, if it's if it's in narrow areas, it's really taxing, digging in, turning, all that mm. kind of stuff. And I imagine similar on the bike and dangerous. It's similar. It's just when you fall, you're, you're hitting roots or rocks Ugh. or – I know. So it is It is intense. Um, do you snowboard? I, no. No, I was it's, always a skier. There's so much but more But I, I only went like five times, yeah, you know. Okay. But it's, it's forgiving until you hit ice. That's true. Yeah, no, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah, but what I've worked out is that downhill is just a bit too much for me. And so I'm still liking gravity riding, which is downhill, but it's more flow style where yeah. there's open sort of more uh, sparse Less areas. rock gardens, yeah, yeah. you know, less 30 foot jumps, Death you traps. know, like things where it's just like, Fully. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, at least like I'm not the only one because I feel like I'm looking at some of the things that I used to like, there's this, you know, out at, at Glen Effa, I don't know if you ever did it, um, uh, where the Christmas holes are and that main uh, area where yep. everyone sort of congregates and then it goes up a little bit further. There's this bank up there. I don't even know what they call it. And we used to jump. The bank sort of has this like slow um, decline, but it, it's wide. Yep. And to jump out into the water, you have to jump over a tree where you can't see. Yeah. So a blind jump. Yeah, yeah, blind jump. Yeah. You know, you probably would have done it at various places. But when you, and I remember just 16, 17, 18, you we would do it and you just, you don't, <clears throat> there's no fear and you're like, this is the best thing. I would never do that now. Yeah. I barely jump out of the leaning tree. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just to stand up wherever I was and just do a backflip. Uh-huh. And it's like, I just know I would break my neck <laughs> if I tried to do that now. Like I'm just not flexible. Uh, I wouldn't be able to get the height yeah. or the spin. My legs, my knees wouldn't be able to come up to my chest. Yeah, yeah. I'd just be like in all sorts, you know. Oh man! And even if you <laughs> even if you manage to get the rotation right, you're probably the way that you land, ankles, knees, oh. like. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't even try. Getting old. Well, that's why music is great. There's a safety in music that you yep. can kind of cling to and go. You know what? The worst yeah. thing I'm going to do is like maybe cut my finger when I'm restringing and you know, the string oh, stabs my finger. The old acupuncture. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, it's so right punishing. up the finger. It's like why do I? Anyway, just a and, piece of wire. Yeah, mm. straight in your finger. And also, sometimes I have this thing where, like, um, if I'm playing, sometimes I play with my pick really not sort of protruding out of my grip. Yeah, and. If I've got long fingernails, they just rip. Yeah. And, and you can kind of wear away to them and all of a sudden, yeah. you still right up. Have you had that? Yeah, I've had no, that. Man. And I had one where I was playing a um, Fender Stratocaster and for anyone that knows that guitar, it's got a five-way switch mm. and that changes the tone. So normally I'd play rhythm on number one and then I'd flick it down to five for lead just because yeah. it's a bit bitier. Yeah, yeah. And so I did that one night, but the kind of rubber – had yeah, on it yep. had fallen off so it was just metal and I smashed it with my thumb to push it oh, down from one no. to five and I just sliced my thumb oh. open and so now there's just blood and it's <laughs> you know they talk about it being slippery I'd never realized like I couldn't hold yeah, the pick there's blood going up and oh, down the guitar is. people in the audience were loving it they thought it was like part of the show ah! and I'm like oh my god 
You're in excruciating pain. <clears throat> it hurt. I've had yeah. that as well. This um, there's a a, a telly um, over here. Yeah, you can see it. It doesn't have the rubber yeah. head on it, and I've had that. But not as bad as that, but even just on a cold night, if you're playing, you flick it down. Oh, it hurts. Pains. Yeah, yeah. but not as bad as uh, popping your collarbone out or breaking your wrist. That hurt. Yeah, yeah probably a little bit more. Yeah. I would say. Actually, the hand didn't hurt that much, and um, I didn't know I'd broken it. Um, and it was about five days, and then I went to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> and I went, dude. People tell me that all the time, and I'm like, just go to the hospital. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. I, I knew I heard it. I just you weren't sure of the. Didn't severity. think it was. Yeah, and they said it didn't hurt. They said a lot of people wouldn't think that was broken. They wouldn't feel like it's broken because it's, it's sort of a floating bone, the one that broke. Right. So there weren't all these muscles around it trying to hold it into place. Yeah, okay. So there were less nerves attached to the bone or something. Yeah. So anyway, but it's all. It wasn't there. floppy, like just hanging off. No, it, really. the knuckle had been pushed back an inch. Yeah. Um, and now it's, I mean, I had surgery and got a plate and I think there's eight screws and it's, uh, it looks hilarious. You know, my body looks hilarious. I hadn't broken a bone up until three years ago. Wow. <laughs> All biking? All biking. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd, What's the universe telling you? Um, T- just slow yeah, down a little bit. I know, bit. there is something in that. But the other thing though, I am fitter. And more flexible than I was, you know, five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely pluses. Sure. But there's certainly minuses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's just one of those things. Like, and if you're, if you commit to it, do whatever you want to do. If you're, if you're prepared to hurt yourself. And that's the thing, like, I think when you're younger, you're like, you've got to commit. And you, if you know what you want to get better and you're kind of prepared, like, you know, I'm going to hit this jump or I'm going to do this trick or whatever. And if I don't nail it, I'm going to get hurt. Mm. But I'm prepared to kind of just go through it and risk it. Whereas, like, for me, the older I get, I'm like, yeah, I'm not taking that track down the hill today or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm not going running if I've got a sore leg because it's just going to get me. Right. But, you know, yeah. if, you, if you're committing to it, all power to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he says as that sigh of just like, uh, oh. Like, my wife just looks at me and just, she doesn't say anything. She's just got this look that sums it up, you know, yeah. and I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's everything in that look. Yeah. You don't need it. it <laughs> words like it's just, it's way above like human kind of a communication yeah. language. It's like, no. Yeah. You, you, we can't say enough about that look. I oh, know. It's a great look. <laughs> it's a golden look. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So, Parlor State, tell us about Parlor State. Yeah. So, I, I guess the last album I did was with um, High Lonesome um, a couple of years ago now. And I did. Prior to that, I did two albums with the Mid-North um, in the last eight years. And, you know, they were all really good. And anyway, you know, with COVID, not many gigs. I've even played a gig for oh, seven months now, probably wow. even more, and which is which is totally fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we just had this big thing where Katie Crane and I, um, we just got together, you know, every other afternoon and just – wrote mm. and um, it was great. So I had all these song ideas and I'd bounce them off her and she'd give me feedback or, you know, um, contribute some lyrics and, and it was great. And then, um, you know, I wrote a lot by myself as well and then I sat about um, recording it. And so I got uh, Pete Skelton um, drums and recorded it in my lounge room and excellent drummer, yeah. um, local drummer, and it really good sound. So that was great. And Steve Coates, local um, bass player, Got him, uh, he's a good mate of mine, so I got him involved to play bass. And then Ollie McGill, you might know from Cat yep. Empire, so got him to do some piano bits. Um, and then uh, Gary Carter from Nashville 
I contacted him and yeah, so he played on four tracks. And then Mike Cleveland, who's, you know, the world's best fiddle player 10 years in a row wow. um, in bluegrass and um, sort of Americana. So contacted him and he played on a track and it's unreal. Yeah. So honestly, it's been this great process of just kind of contacting players I want to or I like the vibe of and getting these great results. Yeah. So I'm super happy with it. Um, yeah, it's really happy. And then I got William Bowden to master it. So I, actually, mixing-wise, I was going to get Matt Fell to mix it, and then I ended up um, just deciding I'd mix it myself. I yeah. think it was probably a control freak thing where I just went, oh, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. So I ended up mixing it, and, um, yeah, I'm really happy with it. And then awesome. I got William Bowden um, from King Willie Sound. He's just moved to Tasmania from Sydney, but um, he's a mastering engineer. He won a Grammy for doing um, – now you're just somebody that I used to know with Gautier. Oh, he, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so he yeah. mastered that album. And anyway, lovely guy. And I, I worked with him oh, 15, 16 years ago on a couple of metal albums that I recorded for bands in Sydney. And um, so, yeah, I was really happy touring and throwing with him and then uh, adjusting mixes if I, you know, if I messed them up. So he was great to work with. That's good. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was good. So anyway, I'm really happy with the result. Awesome. Mm. So when when you set out, I mean, obviously COVID kind of just put ev- the things everywhere on hold and people had to readjust and sort of go, okay, what's the next little while going to look at? And you obviously did some songwriting. Um, did you set out with the intention of writing an album or was it more uh, like we've got this time now, let's explore some, some songwriting and see where it takes us? Yeah, so yeah, good question. I had probably three years of ideas. Um, just on a dictaphone. Yep. And so, you know, I had them all just on my computer. I'd just upload them to the computer. And then, so I don't know how many ideas I had, like a hundred ideas that I had got through the first and second gates of, you know, where you listen yep. back and go, oh, no. what was I thinking? No. <laughs> you know? And this was like, oh, it's got something, you know, so yeah. it went through to the next gate. Potential. Yeah. And then I, I just wasn't feeling, I don't know, I didn't finish a song for three years, you know, like I had all these ideas. I'd, I'd kind of half-written some and then mm. others were just an idea, you know, it just could be a hook or a melody or a lyric or something. Anyway, and then, um, yeah, so during COVID it was just, oh, well, let's let's pull these out and see where they go. And I didn't – I if I had an album, that's fine, but if I had three tracks at the end, I'd just do three. Like I was just going to record yeah. whatever got through the and, last and gate. And I guess finish, finish some stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we got to 19 songs that we were – pretty happy with, and then um, whittled that down to 12. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, like another seven that are pretty good. Yeah. But to be fair, they're probably more, those seven are all bluegrass. Yeah. And I just wasn't feeling the love for bluegrass. I just kind of felt like it's a formula that I can do. Yeah. And I wanted to do something Branch outside out of a that little a little bit. bit. Different. Yeah. Sure. So it's still, you know, it's got folk, it's got country, it's got Americana. Um and some pop, so it's firmly in there. So it's not a big divergence or, or step away from where I was, but you know, there's drums, there's electric guitars, there's piano, um, and thematically, it kind of and genre-wise, it kind of just flows together as opposed to having like what you what you're doing with Pilot State and some bluegrass. Yeah, what you've put out is it does it flow pretty nicely? They're separate beasts. Yeah. I think if you went to a Pilot State gig, it'd be different to a Mid North gig. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Um, the interesting thing about Palestate is that the, the level of musicianship is, I think it's incredible. And 
yeah, to put that band together, like I'd, I'd really have to get all my favourite players together. Yeah. So it ended up being a, a pretty expensive gig to put on, <laughs> I reckon. Be a nice one to do, though. Oh, it'd be fantastic. But, um, yeah, we'll just see what, where COVID goes, yeah. you know. You wouldn't do it to 20 people at a restaurant. You'd have to do no. it in front of, um, I don't know, a couple of hundred or a thousand people somewhere. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, like, you know, just coming from your perspective of songwriting and also, like, even with, with the vibe of performing that to, like, a large audience, it's kind of cool because, like, my um, – my what's the word? My bread and butter are those gigs where you're sort of sitting in the background, just creating a bit of a mood. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because that's that's sort of reflected in a lot of the stuff I write. But I've never sort of thought about like writing an album or even performing songs in front of huge amounts of people. It's just a process for me. Mm. And do you kind of think about that when you're when you're writing? Do you have some end goal in mind? Whether that's like I want someone to feel emotional when they listen to this song, or I want to perform this in front of or this amount of people or at this particular venue? Do you have kind of like a, a vision, I guess, for the yeah. song and or album? So the vision is song by song. Yeah. Um, there can be like a – there generally is a flavour or some sort of theme that, that transcends the whole album. Yeah. Um, and so this one was probably party. It was probably me feeling like um, – I don't know, um, not that I actually party, but I just had that feeling I've wanted something upbeat and pushing and fun. And so I think that was it in terms of that. I mean, not having said that, there's songs on there that make me cry and, you know, there's love songs that aren't necessarily upbeat, but I think there's a feeling of of upbeatness throughout the whole album. Bit of optimism. Yeah, but I definitely treat each song individually. Um, So I'm not thinking about how it would sit next to the other or where I'm performing it. And then same with instrumentation, like it's just what is right for the song. Yeah. So on this one, you know, there's, there's, you know, organ, there's some synths, there's some, um, I don't know, electronic bass lines. Most of it's acoustic as in, you know, uh, most of it's, people playing instruments, like real performances, not programmed. Um, in fact, you know, 99% of it. Um, organic. Yeah, it feels organic. And so I, I think I wanted – I think for me I had this guiding light of I wanted it to feel like alt country, alternative country from 1970s um, being authentic and played. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted this L.A. nightlife with neon and – shiny silver pants and, you know, nice that kind of vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think some some tracks have kind of nailed that that feeling for yeah, me. Yeah. Mm. And it's good to have that contrast anyway within a body of work. You don't want it all to be like, you know, if you're, if you're a designer, you don't want to have a body of work that's just, these are all pretty much the same yeah. with only a little bit of a distinction. You want to have like some kind of common thread but not necessarily like you you want that contrast, you want that diversity, and obviously you've you've kind of achieved that totally. So the way we did that, like with Pete, the drummer, Pete Skelton, um, we do a couple of things. Like he brought several snare drums and kick drums, and so and and cymbals. So we'd kind of look at what the song was, and then choose a snare drum sound yep. for that, and then build the kit like that. Um, so whether that be brushes, uh, you know, on a piccolo snare or brushes on a deep wooden snare. Um, or a marching band snare that's really sort of cranked up yeah. in tension. 
Um, so they're all on the album and, and they create different vibes, you know, like they just do slightly different things. But the thing I enjoyed the most with Pete was, was kind of just giving him a personality. So, mm. and each song, like I say, so Pete, this is you, you've got, you've got jeans that you woke up in, they're black, they're tight, they've got a ripped knee, they smell a bit, you probably should have washed them a week ago, but you're still in them. Um, you're hungover, but um, there's a beer and a tequila shot that's waiting for you at the end of this take. And it's, uh, I want you to be energetic and party boy. And, and he goes, oh, you want young Pete? And I went, yes, yeah. bring young Pete. That's awesome. So, so then, there's, a, there's a bit of a brief where you're like, okay, totally. this, there's a character, there's a, there's a story that I'm trying to tell. Totally. And, you know, like you know, people would know this from like drama or, or even seeing actors act is that they put themselves into character, obviously. Yeah. And, and they kind of create this mood, this tension, whatever it is. And um, I don't hear that happen a lot, especially not so much performance-wise, but I do uh, – have talked to a lot of people who've done that in the studio where they're like, this is who I want you to be for this take. Yeah. And really trying to get into character and get into that kind of mindset and, de- and deliver something that kind of suits the album. And I'm sure Pete did incredibly. He did amazing. He was, he, and he loved it too. He yeah. was like, who am I now? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it, was, it was so good, you know. So Play, that was, that It's was like playing cool. make-believe just in the studio and kind of just getting into character. And there's probably something quite cathartic about that too. That's lovely, yeah, yeah. you know. And then when you get the take, it's done, and then you take that outfit off and – you know, moving yeah. to the next one. Awesome. So that, that was really cool. And, um, you know, same with bass, like every, everything we changed. So we'd use different basses. So there was, there's a, you know, a jazz bass on there. There's two different P basses. Um, I made sure that we used different amps uh, with different sounds. So, you know, you just, you just by that, you're changing the flavor of, of each song just subtly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so there's double bass on there, but I also got two different double basses just to make sure that they had different sonic, you know, different sort of prints or different yeah. sounds. Um, same with guitars, you know, there's, um, we mainly used a Fender Deluxe um, 65 reverb, nice. uh, which is beautiful, but, you know, again, different settings, um, different reverbs, different tails, different different pedals. Like um, I had this green Moog um, overdrive pedal, which I loved. And then I got a um, an old what was it, an Ibanez scream? Oh yeah, yeah, the, the green one as well. Yeah, yeah another one. Um, and love that too. Yeah. You know, so that was really cool. Just mixing stuff up, and I hear on a lots of lots of people's stuff they use the same sounds on things, and that's something that I don't like. Mm. Um, yeah, and also vocally, like I changed my vocals, not not like in accents or trying to be posh, and now something else yeah. it was just doing what was right for the song so emotionally is this vulnerable um yeah you know or is this one pushing and it might not even need to be in tune it just needs to have an energy that's gonna get you off the couch yeah. and get you bouncing you know yeah, absolutely so yeah i was kind of really mindful of of not going for perfection but going for the right vibe on everything and you know i wasn't singing out of tune or anything but I was making sure the performance was right. Yeah. Yeah. The delivery for sure. The delivery. Yeah. Is that something that like, you know, that you've had to work on over time? I know from just, you know, to, to paint a picture for me, it's like I can sit in the studio and when you've got a lot of time to reflect and you don't have that intention that you had, for me, it's like sometimes songwriting is just a process that I like to do. And I'll get to a point where it does sound really pretty and really clean mm. and, and you're like, 
it's good, but it's not. It doesn't quite capture what I want to capture. Is that something that you kind of have developed over the years, where you've maybe been in recording situations or you've recorded songs? And you've spent so much time getting the sounds so right and the, the vocals and everything. Uh, whereas you, and but but in that process, maybe the delivery was lacking in something. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Like even on this album, um, you know, there's a couple of songs um, that, and they're acoustic with voice, and I probably recorded them like nine times where I thought nailed it, yeah, and then started mixing it. And then, like two days later, went, oh my god, it's in the wrong key, you know? Like I'm, I'm singing yeah, up here, and it yeah. just sounds weird. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. So, changed the key, and then it was like, um, I don't know. I just, you could hear me trying to get to get the to get the melody right, and it's like, yeah, but I'm, I've lost the feeling. Yeah, you know. So it was, yeah, it's relaxing into it, and really spending some time on the tempo and the key and not being happy until it was right. So, yeah, yeah I remember um, there's, there's a couple of things um, that sort of stick in my mind, but um, Ben Folds 5, I read his um, biography and autobiography, and there was a thing for their first album, you know, he, he was an amazing player and um, got this band together and got a record deal and recorded this album and tried to do it perfectly. It was his first time in the studio doing his stuff and got this album that he was stoked with and then he gave it to his best friend and said, what do you think? And she was like, I don't like it because it doesn't sound like you. Wow. And, he's, and he's like, well, why? And he was really confused and it came out that she goes, well, because when you play, like when your band plays, it's it's got this energy, you know, it's got this infectious who gives a crap yeah. energy, you know, and this sounds – Quantized. It sounds yeah, too, neat. Too, too, too sounds too polite, yeah. you know. And so he beautifully threw it out, wow. and then went in with less money, and in three days recorded it again. And that's what you've heard his first album, yeah. which was fantastic. You know, like it just had a vibe. Absolutely, and and those moments like kind of create can help create intention because like. For people who don't know, like musicians spend a ridiculous amount of time and money and energy writing songs and trying to get them quote unquote right, whatever mm. right you know happens yeah. to be. Um, and I remember I've got some friends who they're kind of like would be musicians. They they play a gig once every six months. They kind of rehearse every once a month and they just do it for fun. But I love showing them my music because they're not coming at it from a, a perspective of like well. You know, you were a little bit flat on, mm. you know, your intonation wasn't great on that solo or like, you know, I, that reverb, you know, they're coming at it from an angle of like, does this song hit me in the right places? And one of one of them's a dancer and I do like like a lot of hip hoppy kind of stuff. And he's like, some of them he's like, man, I just, it just didn't grab me at all. Mm. And I kind of get up on my high horse. I'm like, you don't know anything about music. Yeah, what are yeah, you talking yeah. about? You know? That says more about you than yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, fully. <laughs> Do you know how long I worked on this? And But other times he's like, man, I'm really feeling it. And then he'll he'll give me pointers. He'll be like, oh, I felt like I wanted this song to do this in this point. And I'm like, that's good for me to hear because it is easy to get in your head and go, I want to create this perfect song, this representation of what I'm writing and feeling and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can overproduce. Yeah. You can come in and you can like make everything neat and tidy and, and perfect. And it's like, it's kind of not a good representation of what you're trying to achieve yeah. or what you're trying to say a lot of the time as well. 
Um, and I guess what I was going to ask long-term for you, like you know, having, having had a lot of experience recording albums and doing all that kind of stuff, do you have a, a test, I guess, as to when a song is ready for the world to hear it? Yeah, it's called My Wife. Your wife? Yeah. Wow. She is an amazing producer. Yeah. She's just got a good ear and she doesn't have the vocabulary and she doesn't understand um, how sound works or yeah, the theory you know, behind. Yeah, or what, I don't know, what effects you're using or anything like that. But she's exactly like your friend who just goes, it doesn't work for me or it does. And and then, you know, the the, the bit is teasing out the words that then I can understand why. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was saying to you last time that, you know, 20 years ago, um, I'd bring her a song and go, what do you think? And she'd go, I don't like it. And I'd just be gutted, you yeah. know, I'd be like, oh, and now, <laughs> now I actually welcome the, her opinion so much. Like she's just got great ears and sensibility, um, with what works. So yeah, she's, that's the test. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. You you need that, I think. You need to have a test of whatever that is. I, I was talking to um, K-Lab a few weeks ago, who's a producer. We had um, a chat and his test for him, he he does like house, house kind of music and he's very good at it, Funky House. And his test is if I can dance through it by myself in my studio without getting bored and just feel the energy the whole time. And that's the style of music. And I think everyone needs to have a test. I, don't, I haven't quite worked out what my test is yet, mm. um, but it's good. Like if you've got someone you can go and show and I think – I think it's helpful when they don't have the vocabulary to yeah. tell you, oh, you know, that EQ, you know, you've, you haven't taken out the low mids there and it needs a little bit more spark. It's like you want them to tell you something without exactly telling you so you can kind of, I don't know, get it paint, paint a bit of feeling. Yeah, and emotions exactly. And yeah. So it's like painting with that. And I, uh, it works for me. I yeah. Like, yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, how much effort you put into. Uh, writing a stong, song, stong, yeah. uh, you know, write plenty of stongs, uh, writing a song from start to finish. So let's say it's an idea that, uh, that you've recorded a melody, a chord progression, whatever, record on your phone or, or whatever. What's the process from that initial first idea to it being printed, you know, mastered, that kind of thing. Like, and I know it would be different for different songs, yeah. but just take us through, I, I guess I want to paint a picture of how much effort and time and energy um, you and, and musicians in general and artists in general sort of put into their work. Yeah, I think there's there's two ways that I would do that. One is um, coming up with a, a melody will just hit my brain that might be in sleep or in the morning or often in the car, um, and that will that melody will trigger an emotion. Um, you know, upbeat or sad or anywhere in between. Um, and and then I would kind of quickly pull over and then record it. So in that instant, I just want to grab the melody and the rhythm exactly how it appeared yep. because that can morph and change. And, you know, 80% of if – I, if I then played it back on memory and it was 80%, I might lose the bit that's yeah. the, the bit that makes it. So that's really important to me is just getting that down. And then I will sit with that melody and words will appear. So words that meet that emotion. So whether that's, I don't know, if it's a sad one, it might be, okay, is this about love that's gone bad? Is it about 
um, grief, like losing someone, you know, to whatever, um, drugs or death or something. Um, you know, just sort of trying to just work out what the emotion of the song yeah. is and then the words will come. Yeah. And then it's the story then. So then I'm really consciously working out the characters in the song and I'm consciously, you know, picturing what they wear. So if it's someone, like in, in one of my songs, you know, it's, it's the bluegrass one uh, on the album and – you know, the guy in it, he, in my mind, he works at a service station and he's got overalls that are, you know, um, sort of worn halfway, so tied around his waist with a T-shirt on that's got grease on him and, you know, he's sort of maybe three years out of high school and I don't know, like I, I know how he talks, I know what he thinks, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I have this whole character yeah. built and then... Yeah, the um, you know, if there's another character in that, I I work out who they are, what their language is. So then, when I'm writing lyrics, I can bounce it off the character reference and work out if it's authentic or not. Right. And so that's my process. Yep. If it's a song about people. Yeah. Um. So that that works, and then and then I go through and I look at things like making sure that the lyrics are matching in tense, so that. You know, the beginning, the first bit isn't in past tense and then I go to future tense yeah. and then I go to now and, like, that's just doesn't work for me. Like, sure. I've got to make sure that the tense is correct. Yeah. And then I go through and fine-tune it. Like, um, you know, there might be a lyric that um, if I had a dog, I'd call it lucky, right? And then I'm like, yeah, cool. I love that line. But then I go, well, hang on. If I had a dog, it would be like my friend or, you know, I'd be emotionally attached. So it wouldn't be an it. It'd be her. Yeah. So then if I had a dog, I'd call her lucky. So yeah. I go through and kind of make sure that I'm. So you're crafting not only the, the story and making sure the story makes sense within itself, but also that the narrator is is doing justice, I guess, to the story at the same time. Totally. Makes yeah. Sense. Because, I mean, like in, in, in that dog lyric example, it just wouldn't have had the heart. It wouldn't yeah. have had the connection to the dog. And therefore anyone listening, I mean, if I was listening, I would have just somehow thought, I don't buy it. Yeah. It's not authentic. Or, I don't know. There's something there that, so anyway, I'm really conscious of all that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think, you know, like different people will hear different things like, like we were sort of saying before. Um, but if you're a lyric listener, that's, those are the kind of people. And I, I suppose too, like in, in the genre that you sort of perform in, and, and I, I guess like bluegrass is a perfect example. There's a lot of storytelling anyway. Yep. So people who are listening to that, I guess, are listening for the story. And if the story doesn't kind of correspond well within itself, then they're probably going to go, oh man, I don't believe it or whatever, exactly yeah. what you were saying. And so that's a really interesting way. And I'm like I said, I love having people in here tell me about that process because mm. already like for you, you're doing so much more on those deeper levels, those storytelling levels than I do in my song. And it's, it's songs are different obviously, but um, it's just super interesting. And where, yeah. where do you take it from there? Like once you've got it, if the story is yep. consistent with itself, like what's the next step? So this process might take a week or it might take six months yep. just to evolve and to find check it. But um, then the next process is is working out the instrumentation. It's like, oh, what is this song? You know, is this a dance sort of thing where I need beats and I need synth pads and I need like some bass or, you know, like what's it going to be? Yep. Is it reggae? Is it... Jazz is it um, bluegrass is it whatever and then that will inform 
the kind of instrumentation, but it'll also, to a degree, inform the rhythm, you know, the drums, what you're doing. Like if you're doing reggae, it might be on the, you know, whatever. But if it's punk, it'll be dunk da dunk da. So it's going to inform the rhythm and the style of drum kit or type of bass guitar or whether it's got distortion on it, whether it's not. So I think all that. So then I'd go through the chords and the the rhythm and make sure that that's working with the emotion and the lyrics of the yeah. song. So that, yeah, it's sort of doing that. And then there's the arrangement. So then I'm working out, you know, does it need an intro or it'll just go bam straight into the chorus? You know, what, and each song's different and I like to mix it up. Like there's definitely um, templates, if you will. If you look at pop songs, you know, the number ones or the top tens over the last 20 years, there's definitely a formula. Yeah. Um, you know, there'll be a, an intro, there might be a, a pre-chorus or, a, you know, half a chorus and then bam, into the verse. Um, and then that'll be a verse going into maybe the, the first motif and then it'll go straight into the second verse and then it'll go into a chorus. And then, you know, third verse, so a longer chorus and then it'll go into a middle eight or a bridge yeah. and then come out and that, then you've got a little bit of stuff we can play with. Um, but... You know, that's, that's kind of it, right? And then there's a some point there'll be a crescendo or, um, you know, uh, something where it falls down, falls yeah. apart and then comes down to minimalism and then builds back up for an ending. So, you know, you can do that, but there's so much you can do within all of that. Um, yeah, and I'm conscious of that. It's like what, what works for this, you know? Were you an English major at uni or? no. No, you, you not just, at all. You sound like you would be a really good English teacher. When you're talking about stories, it's it's quite fascinating because, you know, you, the things that you described in musical terms are basically just how you would write a story. Like totally. you, you come in, you have the conflict, you, you know, the character, yeah. you build up the characters and all of a sudden there's this explosive contra- conflict and and then some kind of issue that needs to be resolved and then you bring it down and there's this like mood sort of change yeah. and then you bring it back up and whatever. It's Yeah, and the, the best things in um, songwriting and, and if you look at most number one hits, they're about, um, they're about things that are... Who's sorry. calling? That's oh all right. God. Let me just get it. It's all right. We're, we're, we're totally raw and authentic here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, they're about dichotomy. They're about... Yeah. Two things that are as far apart as they can be. So, you know, Gautier, now you're somebody that I used to know, right? Yeah. They were clearly in love. Yeah. And now they cannot be in the same room mm. together. Like, that is tumultuous. That yeah. is excellent yeah. for a song. Yeah. You know, like God and the devil. Yeah. Smash those two together in a yeah, song. Yeah. Like, you can't get any more polar opposite. Yeah. Fully. Like, that is the best. Yeah. You know, so I think I'm looking for. Things that can, you know, you versus yourself. Yeah. You know, what you've done versus your conscience in a song. Interesting. Like, that's the best. Yeah. Like, that, you, you, want, you want these steep, disgusting, horrible, exciting moments of mayhem mm. in a song. And that can be a, the most beautiful song, you know. Um, so even, you know, James Taylor, you know, you've got a friend or, um, you know, just call out my name. Yeah. So it's, it's someone who's kind of seeing their friend go down, you know, and it's like, well, I'm here, but I'm, I'm trying to rescue you and I'm letting you know I'm here. I mean, that's, that's a great divide yeah. and that's a great thing where you can set up heart and emotion, but yeah. also flip it to the pain and potential destruction of what their friend's going through, yeah. you know, needle and the damage done, like same thing. Yeah. Um, 
you've got all these songs of love and and love lost and even the song about, you know, my dog's dead in country. I mean, like, it's a pretty bloody good dog. There was a lot of love there and now the dog's dead. I mean, yeah. that's massive. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that when I get in trouble with songwriting, it's because I haven't got that divide. Yeah. I don't have that valley with two mountains. Right. Polar opposites. Yeah. And and so, you know, whilst it might not be necessary 100% of the time, gosh, it helps. Yeah. You know, it really well, it's does. it's interesting. I mean, essentially what, you, what you're talking about is creating this tension between whatever yeah. it is, light and darkness, good and evil, like, yeah. you know, pleasure and pain, whatever it yeah. is, and finding a way to kind of link their story in. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense because at the end of the day, like, you're not only – performing music and, and singing a song about an experience or a story that you've, yeah. you've kind of come up with. You're trying pe- to make people feel things. And I yeah. think that's what's so beautiful about songwriting and music in general is that like, just like you and me, you know, we're, we're, we're musically minded. So we'll listen to a song and listen to the lyrics and listen to the instrumentation and the production. But a lot of people don't. They're listening for an emotion. They're mm. listening to be caught by to a melody moved. that, yep. yeah, to be moved. Mm. Um, and it's good to be really intentional about that. And I think that, you know, uh, having listened to you a few, quite a few times now and talk about your songwriting process, it's very inspiring, I think. And and one of the reasons I wanted to touch on that was because um, when you put an album out, you put a song out, put a single out, for example, the amount of time and energy and thought and effort and emotion that goes into that um, is so much for so many musicians. Mm. You know, you've you've toiled, you've worked, and and I guess what I'm trying to paint the picture of is that you know these artworks don't just come up in a day; they're long, toiled over pieces that we really work hard on, and it's mm. great to listen to them. And also, obviously, get get for the musicians get to the point where you're able to say, "I'm ready for this to re- to be released into the world," yeah. that kind of thing. So I, I've in, yeah, I feel like I've built a house and I've hammered in every nail. Yeah. Uh, painted everything, filled everything. So I've touched every single centimetre of that house. And so, yeah, I'm pretty intimate with this album and I'm really ready to step back and just hang out now. (laughs) So uh, tell us, like, what's the situation? Is it released? Uh, Is it it out in the world at the moment or? Uh, It's happening now. So there's one song up on uh, Spotify called um, By Your Side. Um, So just look up Parlour State. Um, Can I ask about the name? Parlor State. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to find a name that I like um, and that isn't taken. Like, honestly. <laughs> yes. Oh, there was, I probably There's had so a many list good games, good names. 200 that, yeah, names, yeah. you know. Oh, and you go, this is it. This is it. And then you look it up and there's seven bands, oh, you know, man. three of them are in Finland. And you're like, you're just like, oh my God, there's yeah. too many. Um, yeah. Like, there was even a couple where there was one that I, Quite liked. I've forgotten it now. I've got it written down somewhere. But um, I contacted them because I saw that they hadn't put music out for like twelve years. And so I got in contact and said, um, "What's going on with your band?" And they went, "Oh no, no, that's that's that was at uni. You know, we all moved on." And I went, "Oh, could I use that name?" And they're like, "Yeah, man, go for it." Sick. And then someone else, and then I found someone else oh. that was using it, and I was like, "Okay, cool." But um, yeah, so part of it was that. Just so it doesn't mean. You know, it's not like some life-changing no, no. thing. I was just curious. But, yeah, I think for me the idea I get in, in when I think of Parlour State is like, you know, as I said, it was a party album and I wanted it to be upbeat and remind me of those, you know, LA nightlife yeah. with neon and then alt country from the 70s. But so for me it's like, you know, the morning after when you're a bit disheveled, 
and your skin's probably a bit shiny, you haven't had a shower yet, and you're sitting around the house and you could be in Ugg boots and tracksuit pants, but you could be in a parlor state, which is cowboy boots, silk boxer shorts, and some sort of robe, you know, sitting on a velvet couch. I like it. Um, I don't know, having having a Bloody Mary. Yeah. And I'm just like, that for me is parlor state. Yeah, cool. Like, you know. Spending your last twenty bucks on some champagne, <laughs> and just sums it up. Yeah, right. Nice. So that that for me is what it is. So that's cool. kind of the vibe. Yeah. So that's super exciting. Uh, what's the plan with release? Like you've got the album done, one one single released. I think we played one on ABC uh, a month or two ago. Yeah, I think. And I'm going to do another Saturday, one. I think Saturday. Yeah, night. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the fir- in the in track order, I've got Weekend as number one, and then By Your Side, and then Trouble. So. You know, um, I happen to put By Your Side on Spotify, but I'll probably put Weekend up pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you're going to just drip feed it to Spotify. And what are you going to do? Like, this is a tricky thing now. Not very many gigs, very few gigs. And, um, and you know, a lot of people, like, obviously CDs are pretty much obsolete, so yeah. it's like vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get some printed or you're not, not nah, sure. I'm just putting I'm, it out there. Honestly. I'm stoked for you, man. That's yeah. I, I think it's the first time. Like, I'm super super proud of this album like yep. I'm I love it but I also don't care like yeah, I'm wow. just which is really interesting that I'm like yeah I'd love people to hear it if they like it great if they don't I also don't care like I'm just you know what I mean <laughs> and it's but it's interesting you're not saying you don't care in that kind of nonchalant I don't give a shit kind of way no. it's a different kind of not caring it's like you've put your energy and effort and and you've made the thing mm. and whether people listen to it or not it wasn't about that so much it's, it's about really that. about you creating that art every other album we used to try and force it yeah you know like try and get on radio try and get this try and do facebook try and do that. I went off facebook 9 months ago which is like, as a musician, that's like, you're an idiot, right? <laughs> so I just quashed everything. I'm yeah. not on social media. I'm just like, you know. So I don't know if that's like some self-destructive streak of I could have made it if I'd stayed on Facebook or if I'm just like, I actually don't care. But, well, I, I think the question isn't so much that, is that like, am I going to enjoy myself staying on Facebook and trying to quote unquote make it? Yeah. You know, like obviously there's a contentment w- where you've made this, you're doing your own thing, you gig when the gigs come back, if they come back. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. It's kind of like, just like, well, whatever. Yeah. I, I did an album and, and I'm stoked. You know, like hopefully if people like it, it'll get heard. Yeah. And if people don't, it won't. Well, well, I'll certainly be doing my best to uh, to promote it. <laughs> well, thank ABC, you. Thank every, you very much. Yeah, for sure. And anyone listening, Parlor State, there's Parlor one State. song. And, and there's no other Parlor State in the world. <laughs> well, that's good. So you can't you can't mix them up on um, on Spotify. When I first started recording under Little King, hence the reason I changed the, the spelling, yeah. was because like when my album came up, there would be this massive, uh, voluptuous, big African-American woman with a G-string and her whole behind just like right in the front cover. I'm like, oh, 
I'm not sure if I, I want to like pe- people to be thinking that's me or whatever. So was that seventies funk or is that like a modern band? I actually can't remember because that just sounds like seventies funk yeah. vinyl for yeah. me. <laughs> well, just... it kind of it did it did have that ring. It look and it's so long and it's so long ago now since yeah. I've sort of changed it. But um, it is always interesting. You don't want to get your names mixed up with other people if you can help it. If you can help it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming in again. Um, I think we're pretty much out of time. You got to skedaddle. You got to skedaddle. Um, yeah. I was you usually say finish the, um, the interview with a few questions we won't worry about that but one of one of the main thing is where people can find you and you've just gone you've ghosted social media so yeah. it's just parlor state on spotify Palestine the mid north on, on spotify still yeah, i think exactly yeah. mid north on spotify yeah. and parlor state on on spotify um that's it cool yeah and there's no other mid north wow no yeah that's awesome that's good I mean, it is isn't hard to do these days. Oh, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> so impossible almost. Yeah, yeah. And you would yeah. think the mid north would be pretty. I think someone would have done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In the whole world. I know. I know. <laughs> oh well. Good. Anyway, Kudos. Good. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having Look me. Look forward to hearing some more music, and yeah, uh, see you next time. When do we get to hear some of your tunes? Oh, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I haven't passed the tests yet. Oh right. No, I actually am working on some stuff. I was mixing a track today that I'm really hoping that'll be ready for release in about two months called Consciously Close. So I'll show you um, another cool. time. I'll send you a, send you a bounce. Please do. But yeah. um, yeah, I, I'm still working out my test. That's why I'm asking everyone like, what's oh, your I'll test? Send it to me. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be as honest as I, as I always am. Yeah. But I'll just ask you to not think of, if I don't like it, it's an opportunity for you to agree or disagree. Totally. With me. So it's not that yeah. um, it's just something doesn't work or Totally. You know. Well, so, that's the thing that you have to learn as a musician and um you, you have to learn how to take criticism and whether it's a criticism of the genre that you're doing or the uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like it's not about you so much as it's about the the person listening sometimes. Yeah. And then sometimes there is like actually that doesn't sound that good. There's know? so many times when like um you know <laughs> Was it Nirvana with Smells Like Teen yeah. Spirit? You know, like Chris, the um, or Chris, the um, bass player, hated that song. He's yeah. like, oh, this is, I don't like it, you know. And it's their biggest song, it's crazy. you know. So people yeah. don't know. Yeah. They just know what they know. Yeah. Um, you know, there was Michael Jackson, Black or White. I hated that song. <laughs> hated it. But then, you know, it's like 20 when million gang, albums gang, sold yeah, with that busters. as the single. Yeah. It's like. So I'm wrong yeah. so many times, yeah. you know? Like, And it, and it's 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 so different, isn't it? Like we take it as right or wrong, but really it's just preference. Yeah. And yeah. then there's things like, you know, cold as ice, right? You're as cold yeah, yeah, as yeah. ice. Um, the kind of 80s, early 80s, I don't know what, what that is. That song I don't love. But then I heard Jay Mascus do it on a acoustic classical guitar with just, you know, like – you're as cold as ice. And all of a sudden, I loved it. Wow. I was like, oh, my God. So interesting. So it could be just that the song is brilliant. Yeah. And the production, you know, like yeah. if I played some of the metal that we used to play to my parents, they'd just be like, I can't even get past the screaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm not even – like they hated it. And yet, you know, other people liked it. Yeah, so, it's, there's a scene too. I'm yeah. always fascinated too because you see those massive metal concerts and they're like bigger than any other like festival concert, whatever. And you're like, whoa, where are all these people in the world? Yeah. I'd, I've never – and it's a huge scene. Totally. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there's so each to their own. Each to their own. Absolutely. Yeah, except Barbershop Quartet. I don't like it. Really? Not so much. Man, when we were in <laughs> high school – and I look, I, I can't say that I love it because I've never really um, – 
I've never really. I don't probably enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed. I was in a barbershop yeah. quartet. In, doing it is doing cool. Doing it is so much listening fun. Listening to it? Not so much. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, that's one of the ones that you keep at home. It's like one of the musical things you don't do outside the studio. Uh, anything with harmonies feels so good to do. Yes, absolutely. You just and went, the, went the, in. The four, so... the four, obviously there's four yeah. harmonies going mm. on and you know, low, low, low melody, high melody and yeah. three harmonies in between. And uh, we were in a band in high school, a lot of guys who still doing music and we did the whole thing, held their hands together. Yeah. Uh, we did a couple of different songs that we learned. But the first two or three times when we nailed it, we just pissed ourselves laughing at the end because it was like all these harmonies and we're just going, this is so sick. And it's- it was this... It, Really weird emotion that was like funny and cool and weird at the same time. Like totally. it's, it's, it's like a clock. It's like clockwork. Yeah. Like if you get it right oh, and man. it's it's synced and in, it's beautiful. Yeah. But I just don't want to listen to it. No, I, I agree actually. Now <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Performing, doing it, okay. Listening, no. We should do a bubble. <laughs> let's, let, let's do it. Dude, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Bye. This is the Celebrate Sounds gig guide for the 5th to the 8th of August. All gigs are planning each venue's COVID policy, so please check individual websites or socials for any changes. At the Coast Hotel in Coffs Harbour, no music presently, but stuff going on all week. Industry Mondays with food and drink specials. Thursday night footy with burgers and wings deals and roast to the coast on Sundays. At Scott's Hub in Scott's Head, every week they have their Saturday Sound Session. On Saturday the 7th, Joey Lee Wagtail from 6pm. It's a $10 cover charge. At Element Bar in Coffs Harbour on Thursday the 5th of August after the Coffs Cup, Billy Joe Porter from 6.30pm. On Friday the 6th of August from 7, Benny Black. On Saturday the 7th of August from 7, Chris Greve. And on Sunday the 8th of August from 4.30, Billy Joe Porter. At Red Sea Events in Coffs Harbour on Thursday the 8th at 6pm, the Sea Sessions under 25's open mic night. Saturday the 7th of August at 12pm, Billy Joe Porter. And Sunday the 8th of August at 12pm, the Slammers. At the Pub With No Beer in Taylor's Arm on Sunday the 8th of August from 1pm, Ruby Blind. At Tish Farco in Bellingen, Sunday the 8th of August from 3pm, Nathan Bird. At the Ocean View Hotel in Yurunga, no tunes this weekend, but the bistro's open 12 till 8 p.m. seven days, and OVH Pizza's open seven days from 5 till 8. At Source Salvage Studio in Bello, they have regular performers playing tunes in the street, amazing sustainably sourced local art to check out, plus amazing coffee and cakes. At Surf Street Cafe in Emerald Beach on Saturday the 7th August from 6 p.m., Lily Hallowell. At Dark Arts Bar in Coffs Harbour, they're open all week from 6.30am for brekkie and lunch, on Friday and Saturday for dinner, music and comedy every now and then, see their website for details. And finally, at Liberty Providors in Yurunga, incredible food and coffee, great vibes and regular performers popping in from time to time. And that is the gig guide for this week. 